Alright everybody, welcome back to Fucking Heads. This is episode 90. My name is Connor Lamans. I'm here with my co-host Justin Golba to talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes men's basketball program trademark um, and the Ohio State men's basketball experience that we have once again um, by our own our own choice. We've done this to ourselves. We have immersed ourselves in the Ohio State men's basketball experience. And it all started Monday night with a 79. 79- 73 win against the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. Um, Justin, a game that um, you and I talked about just a little bit last week. We said, hey, this might not be a blowout. Um, we both expect Ohio State to win. We expect them to win comfortably. But but don't be shocked if Oakland has this game tight at half. And it was a hell of a lot closer than either of us thought. Um, yeah, I almost nailed the uh, point prediction exactly for Ohio State. I picked them to win 78-62. They won 79-73. So I will take a dub on that one. Um, yeah, it was a weird game. And I was kind of tweeting throughout the whole thing, like, you know, don't take too many takeaways from game one. Obviously, there are takeaways to be had. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I think Oakland's going to be a better. T- I think Oakland's a better team than we anticipated. Um, a lot of people kept bringing up, though, they're projected to finish six in the horizon. I don't think they're going to finish sixth. I think they're a better team than that. They had seven transfers come in this year, and including um, oh, Jack Full Full. How do you say his last name? Goy. Goal. Oh, the shooter. The yeah, shooter the was goal, 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 goalkey. Yeah, the kid that 18, had eighteen points on six threes. He was a transfer. So when you have those transfers coming in, a lot of times you don't know how they're going to kind of mesh and whatnot. So your projection is going to be a little bit lower. I think this is a better team than they're getting credit. Greg, we talked about Greg Campy is a 40 year head coach That guy is going to have you ready for games. He knows what he's doing. Um, So, you know, there's, there are definitely some missteps by Ohio state along the way. I'm not saying they played a good, a a great game or anything, but you know, first game Oakland's one of those kind of tricky ones. And um, you know, just thank God we didn't play James Madison. (laughs) Am I right, Connor? Yeah. Connor, um, I have something. I have sad news. I have sad news. I have bad news. Do you have another – did somebody else die last time you said you had news somebody died? Oh, God, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. That was when – yeah, Bob Knight. Um, yeah. No, I was happy about the James Madison win over Michigan State for approximately 25 seconds, Connor. Because while it's funny to watch James Madison beat Michigan State, Connor, I remembered James Madison's next game, which if you're listening to this on Thursday will be tonight, is against my Kent State Golden Flashes. And I'm afraid oh. Kent State will lose that game. That's it. What do they play? Thursday? It Thursday night. Yes. That'll be a fun game, by the way. If you just like hoops, James Madison, Kent State, that's a good Ooh. one. I think, I believe, I think I need to double check this. I'm pretty sure that James Madison was actually picked. Are they in the Sun Belt? Yeah, but they're predicted to win it. Yeah, I think that they were like, they were Wherever, Whatever conference be... they're in, they're expected to win. They're a tournament team. They're a good team. They uh they yeah, went like they, twenty and twelve last year and they brought back almost everybody so they're they're good good squad. It's not it's uh, not this is not a Michigan State podcast. We won't get into it, but that's not like the worst loss has ever happened. Like they're not done. Um, there's um there's like lose. there's 
there is a legitimate chance. I would say actually like a more likely than not chance that James Madison will finish higher in Ken Palm than at least one Big Ten team, if you want to frame it that way. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Actually, maybe multiple because right yeah, now it's say that, the Big Ten had a tough day on Monday night. The Big uh, Ten, yeah, James Madison is up to one hundred one, and I can see right off the bat that Minnesota is one ten, like right now. So uh, they're already they're already. You see Dawson Garcia's stat line? We're getting off track, but no, sir. I was I was literally at the shot and seed center until ten thirty because right, we're boots on the ground, baby. We're working for you guys. Um, no, Dawson Garcia had twenty three points, fourteen rebounds, eight assists. That's a day's yeah, work. see, I didn't. Hmm? No, I didn't see that. Um, that's, a, that's a day's work. Yeah, I mean, that's still that's still a tough. That is still a tough loss. We won't get in deep. We don't need to talk about Michigan State, but all I'll say is that is not a obviously that is a a horrendous loss for Michigan State in general. But they will be rooting for James Madison now. If James Madison doesn't follow up their good last year with a good year this year. Like let's say James Madison this year finishes like fourth or fifth in the Sun Belt somehow. Like that is the kind of loss that like could drop Michigan State for say from like a three seed to a four seed or like a five to a six, like that kind of thing. Um like when Rutgers lost to did they lose to Louisiana Lafayette last year. Oh, I thought you meant yesterday they lost to Princeton. Um yeah they lost to Louisiana Lafayette, I believe. One of the Louisianas though was not LSU, correct. And like again, it's like, and it's like uh, that's a loss that like by itself could drop your NCAA tournament seed like by a whole like one. Like, so yeah. it's it's consequential, and that's why Ohio State um, hanging on to beat Oakland, even though you look at it and you're like, man, there's a lot of things to be concerned about after that. The bottom line is they, they found a way to they find a way to avo- avoid disaster. Yeah, because you can't sure. lose that game. You find a way to win the game, you regroup, you start watching film, and you say, oh, shit, okay, we got a lot of shit we need to work on, for sure. But you you bag the win, you get off the floor, and you get back to work. Um, that I was getting the same vibes in the arena as um, two years ago when Ohio State almost lost to Akron. 100%. Yep. I saw a lot That's of comparisons like. to the – I saw a lot of comparisons to the 2016 game against Navy. I didn't feel that way because that 2016 Navy team wasn't good. I think Akron was better than this Oakland team, but I think this Oakland team is pretty good. I felt the the whole game, I felt like it was that Akron game the entire way. To, to be honest, I felt a little bit, I don't want to say it, but I felt a little bit also like the Oral Roberts game, but just the way that first half and second start of the second half went, but because they just wouldn't go away. But that died once they won the game, obviously. Yeah, how bad? So Oakland, I do. It's it's speculation at this point, and anybody anybody telling you any different is wrong. It is all speculation at this point. I do not think Oakland is going to be a good basketball team this year. I think that if Ohio State would have lost that game, that is the kind of loss that if you end up on the bubble, you don't make the tournament because you lost to Oakland. Yeah, I, I don't think, think they're going team. to be good. I think they'll be better than their preseason projection. That was like, what I was saying. I don't right. I don't think they'll win the Horizon League. I don't think they will nope. make the tournament. Nope. I think that that last night they hit a ton of prayer threes that were off balance, hand in their face. A lot of threes that were, in my opinion, and I was actually sitting in the arena. So no offense, but anybody that was at home and didn't watch it on Big Ten Plus and was just 
following it on Twitter, I was there. There were a ton of threes that they had hands in their faces or guys were like shooting it from off balance that they buried that I don't think that Oakland is going to hit all throughout the conference schedule. I don't think they're going to be a very good team. Like maybe they're not like bottom of the horizon, but I don't think they're going to make the tournament. This could have been a disastrous loss. Um, This could have been a horrendous loss, like, like shades of like 20, like 16 when Ohio state or 17 Ohio state lost to like UT Arlington at home, like that kind of loss. Um, But you win the game. They drop like 10 spots and they drop like 10 spots in Ken Palm. So like, but who cares? You won the game. Um, there's a lot of shit to work on, but I, I just think that I think Oakland hit a lot of shots that were defended pretty well. And, but at the same time, you still look at the stats and you're like, okay, you still let your opponents hit 14 threes. So clearly you have to work on your perimeter defense. But I, I just thought that I thought a lot, I thought a handful of those were like pretty well defended. That guy, Jack Golke, like, I don't think he took a single three, the entire game that was like flat foot, like feet set. No, Connor, I tweeted during the game, there's nothing scarier than a short white boy that likes to take uh, off-balance threes. If they're comfortable doing that, they are going to destroy you. Um, it's a little twofold because as, you know, growing up when I played middle school and travel ball and high school basketball, I was a shooter. So I know, like, what the dynamics of it are. It's a little twofold in the sense of they let them get some early shots off that were uncontested. And the minute, even if you don't make those, once you get into some kind of flow or rhythm, and you see the hoop the way Oakland was seeing it, you're kind of allowing them to be able to make some contested shots down the road. The second half defense I thought was great. Like, they made three threes in a row that Bruce Thornton was guarding all three times. There wasn't an inch of separation between them at any of those, and they just kept hitting them and hitting them. Um, You know, they just wouldn't go away. So I do think that if your defense is a little better in the first half or maybe the first 10 minutes, maybe you disallow them to make those threes in the second half because they're just in a rhythm and they're seeing the hoop, you know, the hoop starting to look like a trash can at that point. But um, yeah, I mean, I, and I think also to your point of them making those crazy threes kind of bodes in Ohio state's favor because you're not going to see teams that do that throughout the year. You know Um, it's not like they were just getting these random wide open looks, you know, they were coming off double screens and still hitting contested threes in your face. That's not a, that's not a recipe for continued success. So that's where I think, like you know, people that are like already like giving up on this team, uh, I'd give it a, I'd give it a, I'd give it a, give it a break. I would give it a little bit of time, you know. Um, to uh, to speak to the defense, you said uh, first half Oakland was forty four percent overall, and they hit six of their twelve threes for fifty percent. Second half Oakland dropped to thirty six percent shooting and 34% from three. They hit eight of their 23 threes in the second half. So in the second half, Oakland was like really letting it rip, but they weren't connecting on quite as many. Well, they also realized, I think, look, this is just a game where they're going to live and die by the three, so they got to live and die by it. You know, they weren't getting anything down low. Um, You know, Ohio State was starting to get into a rhythm offensively. They probably felt they were going to score 80 points-ish. So Oakland was like, look, we just got to let it rip. And if we make them, we make them. If we miss them, we miss them. But that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to live this game. So, you know, they almost, they almost did it. Damn near. Yeah. Perimeter defense, um, regardless of if you chalk up all the threes to, they're just seem like to shoot a bunch of them, 
which we don't really know yet. We're only one game into the season, so we really don't know yet if they're if Oakland is going to be a team that's going to hoist a bunch. Kind of looks they, like it from what they, we saw. They will. Um, or if you think that they just got lucky and hit some off balance ones, which I think is partially true, or if you think that Ohio State is bad defensively on the perimeter, which also could be true. Um, they're going to have to get a little better defensively. But the biggest thing to me that I saw, it wasn't even defensively. What blew my mind in the first half um, was how Ohio State attacked or the lack of attack against Oakland zone. Yeah, um, we, agree. we agree. I saw your tweet. We agree on that. Chris Holtman talked about it a little bit in the post-game press conference, but I like I've never coached basketball. And I've basically never played organized basketball like beyond like the high school level. So I'm not the best person to, to, to pick apart X's and O's. Although I'm sure a lot of people on the internet will claim to, you know, will say that, you know, it's, it's simple. I don't think it's very simple. Basically Holtman said it was a, above. I want to say he said it was a Oakland zone is like a one, three, one that they'll also turn into a, they'll turn, they'll turn it into a two, three when they want it to be a two, three, and he also said that a lot of times their zone will like, in, instead of like covering it, covering a lot of the, the top of the court, like trying to push you out vertically, um, they'll kind of seed the very top of the key, like that straightaway three pointer, so that they can cover the corners a little better. Um, but what I saw was Ohio State. What I saw was Ohio State passing the ball around the perimeter, literally just swinging it back and forth, but nobody was moving. Yeah, like. Like what is going to ch- like what is going to change for you if it's just we're just passing it around the top of the perimeter with one guy kind of below the basket, but you're nobody's moving. There's no action. There's there's no motion there. And they did that almost the entire first half. They would swing it, swing it, swing it, swing it, swing it. Someone take a three, it wouldn't hit. Um, they looked pretty unprepared for that zone. Yeah, it was interesting. Um... So the best way to attack a zone, obviously, everyone knows, is just to put your big man in the middle of it, get him the ball, and let him kind of make decisions from there. I think that was kind of where we saw Zed Key kind of start to play a bigger role uh, because that's not really what Felix Akbar is great at. Um, you know, Felix Akbar obviously is a defensive, you know, stalwart, and, uh, you know, that was apparent throughout this game as well, but... um, Yeah, it was interesting, and Bruce Thornton started doing it. And once Bruce Thornton started doing it, of just taking the ball and attacking the zone. And I tweeted it, you know, attack the zone, get rewarded. If you attack a zone successfully with with guys with the athleticism that Thornton and Roddy Gale have, you're pretty much always going to get some type of layup or foul. It's just how it is, just how it is. Especially if you're playing, you know, I think Joey Lane tweeted out before the game, like, you're not going to see a 1-3-1 that much throughout the season. Most players, it's kind of like if you watch Steph Curry play basketball, they do a box and one to trap Steph Curry, which is basically like a 2-2 zone and one person following Steph Curry. Like one guy plays man and four guys play zone. Uh, That's not what they were doing, but it's an example of something you won't see too often. Kind of like a 1-3-1. You're not going to see that too often. Most teams either play 2-3 or 3-2, whatever the case may be, if they're playing zone. So it was interesting to watch Ohio State try to attack something that they're not going to see too much. And I think in the first half, they just were settling for jump shots. And I don't think this is going to be the best jump shooting team. I think Jameson Battle is a fantastic shooter, obviously. I think Bruce Thornton has it in him. Uh, he just needs to be a little more consistent. Outside of that, it's a lot of athletes. You know, Roddy Gale's an athlete. Scotty Middleton's an athlete. Dale Bonner's an athlete. 
Um, you know, Zed Key and Felix Akpar, they don't stretch the floor like that. So you're going to have to really – they had to kind of use their athleticism, and I think they started to figure that out once Bruce Thornton – it looked like he was the first one to really start attacking that zone and really start to make it uh, – you know, make Oakland try to collapse the zone, and then you can start kicking the ball out and whatnot, or, like I said, dish it into Zed Key and let him make decisions from there, whether he wants to, you know, try to make a play or if he starts to get some points down low, then they collapse on him, he can dish it out to shooters, so – um, it's a good way to play Ohio State because they don't have those shooters. So you're kind of you're forcing them to make decisions and to be athletes. But I think in the second half they handled it a lot better, and um, you saw Oakland try to adjust from there. Yeah, I think Bruce did it a few times in the first half. Towards the end of the first half, Bruce actually was held scoreless for the first 16 minutes of the game. Um, he was like, he was really just he was amped. All of his shots were long. I think he was just a little amped. He, I think he only took – Bruce only took two shots for the first 16 minutes of the game, too, and they were both threes, you know, trying to shoot it, shoot over the zone. It didn't drop. I think you saw a lot of Ohio State, like, stagnant, like, passing around. So, like, Bruce didn't want to keep shooting threes that weren't falling, but there weren't any other opportunities. So there were a few times at the end of the first half where he, like – he basically, like, took a screen. He, like, got a screen at the top, and then he dribbled – he basically dribbled into traffic below the basket, which typically I wouldn't recommend. Like, yeah, don't dribble directly into two or three defenders. But it looked like he was just, he's like trying to just draw contact. Like, let me like try to change what we're doing here because just hoisting over the top of this is not working. So take a screen, go right side, and basically dribble into traffic below the basket and try to go up and draw a foul. And yeah, I think he did draw two fouls there at the end of the first half, um, hit four free throws. Um, and then, and then Roddy, I thought Roddy was much more effective with it in the second half because Roddy's, um, Roddy is more athletic than Bruce. He's just more athletic. He's, uh, more of a slasher. He's physically just like a bigger, I don't know, like bigger, like weight, weight, like weight wise, but Roddy is more likely to like slash to the basket and find those angles, um, which he did really well in the second half. And that really opened things up for Ohio state. Um, although every time they got up by five or six, it was like Oakland would hit another three. Um, they go up by six with like six minutes left. Oakland hits two in a row and now they're up by one. It was just like, my goodness. Um, yeah, they, just, they just wouldn't go away. Trey Townsend's a good player too. Shout out to him. He was the Rock, guy that I was, Rocket, Rocket that was did not score. That was tough. Yeah. Trey Townsend was the guy that I honestly like when looking at what they had on their roster before the game, what they have coming back. I thought that was the guy that was going to be like the big problem, but it turned out to be uh, Jack Golke, the transfer from Hillsdale college, which is NAIA. Um, And see, that's why it's tough to like really compare these guys of like preseason. Cause you have no idea what a guy from Hillsdale college is going to give you. You definitely don't think it's 18 points. (laughs) So, and granted he was six for 18. So it it wasn't the most efficient 18, but still. This guy's living a life. He is on a full scholarship player, I believe, that played 36 minutes, and he just took 18 shots, and they were all threes. Um, it's, it's the it's the greenest of lights I've ever seen. If he caught the ball, he's allowed to shoot it. I asked Greg Campy after the game. I said, first of all, I said, did you recruit him at Hillsdale knowing that he <laughs> – did you recruit him at Hillsdale knowing that he doesn't even shoot flat-footed? He just will, like he, – he almost intentionally looks to shoot at angles, and he's like, yes – yeah, and a lot I of guys said, feel that's more comfortable. I've I've played with a lot of them. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, okay, second question is 
were a lot of those like those threes were those set plays for him or was it more just like hey i trust in you to have the freedom if you see an opportunity to just yak some up and he greg can't is hilarious like next to make maybe tom Izzo, like maybe the funniest coach that i've gotten to sit in a press conference with greg Campy said he went to hillsdale and recruited uh jack Golkey, and he said you're gonna come play for me in oakland and you're gonna shoot 15 threes a game and i want you to hit and i want you to hit six of them and if you can hit six of 15 threes every game we are going to win the league that's what we're gonna do and he was like, okay, I'm sold. So it was like, okay, that's a good sales pitch. But yeah, he literally said most of those threes that that guy yeeted up there were designed for him to shoot. It, there were a couple at the end of the shot clock that just like he had to shoot it. But for the most part, no, like those were drawn up for him. And like Oakland wanted him. They want him to shoot 15 to 20 threes a game, which is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously not as good, but it's, it's the Jimmer Fredette. You know, that's what it is. We've seen the, we've seen so, the archetype. And he also said another interesting thing that Campy said was we were not at all concerned about Ohio State beating us below the basket. Like they, I said, like, with that. The, they did not like they did not spend very much time at all planning to defend Felix Akpara or Zed Key. They were like that is not our concern. Which they were, he said our plan is going to be force them to keep the ball on the outside and shoot a bunch of threes, which is exactly what Ohio State did. And we want to make Jamison battle uh, dribble the basketball a lot more than maybe he wants to, which I don't know if Jamison battle dribbled the ball all that much, yeah. but he was, he didn't look super comfortable. He didn't shoot the ball well, but um, he, I mean, he essentially like, it's like what, what I said last week was like, Greg Campy has done this for 40 years. So if you think that he's going to come into a game against anybody with three months to prepare his first game of the year and not have a plan, like you're crazy. And he, he said, like, we felt like we scouted Ohio state really well. We felt like we knew what Ohio state was going to do. And we felt like Ohio state did exactly what we thought we were going to do. We just made some mistakes in the second half and couldn't hang on to win. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's clear that they knew what they wanted Ohio state to do. Um, and it was clear that they didn't really, I mean, Zed key had a great game, you know, and Felix, Akpar is not going to be, He's not going to pop up on anybody's offensive, you know, scouting report. He's on the complete. He's on the other side. He's he's the defensive guy. Um. So yeah, I I don't disagree that Ohio State's not going to beat many teams down low this year. Um. Now, granted, they have Jameson Battle, Ronnie Gale, Bruce Thornton. I mean, Scotty Middleton was phenomenal. We'll get into him. You know, that's where they're going to beat teams are those guys. Um. And then and then your centers are going to be able to provide you some offensive spark like Zed Key did in the second half, and obviously Felix Akpar is going to be more effective just in big 10 play when you're when you need a guy to go up against Zach Eady and you know Cliff Amorier and those kind of guys so um no I, I don't disagree with anything he said and he was pretty clear what what it was clear that they had um that their game plan was working you know it was throwing high state off and I think the good part about this game was we got to see very early on in the season Ohio State need to execute late game situations and they did they, you know, I mean, they they didn't turn the ball over late. They made their free throws down the stretch. They made some good defensive stops, and they secured some rebounds. Like, that's all you need to do to win games late, and they did all those things, and that was nice to see. Yeah, I mean, 
It was just like a kind of like the Dayton exhibition. Um, talked to Bruce Thornton after the game about this too. Said, you know, kind of a parallel to the Dayton exhibition when they played Dayton, even though it didn't count, but they did have like a 10 point lead on Dayton. And then that entirely disappears. That's a tie game against Dayton. And maybe last year's team, the snowball that's rolling downhill against them, it's everything is becoming a little overwhelming. The crowd's getting loud. The lead you had is gone. Um, and then maybe last year's team would lose. Um, you you can't regroup, put your foot down, and, and find a way to hold on to win the game. Um, maybe last year's team would have also lost this game. You know, you're up by seven, I think it was, with, with about uh, six minutes left in this game. People in the arena are thinking, okay, finally Ohio State's building a lead here. And then, boom, uh, Oakland hits two threes. Um, they're back within one point um, with two minutes remaining which in basketball is it, to me, that's essentially a tie. That is a one possession game. That is basically a tie. Um, maybe last year's team cannot hang on. Maybe last year's team has something happen like when they played Purdue and they, they screwed up in the last few seconds, give up a big three and that's the game. But um, same thing. They, they were able to buckle down, hit the free throws, get one or two defensive stops, even though they couldn't get a whole lot during the game, hang on to win the game, right? That's maturity. And that's the group becoming comfortable with each other. Um, it shows character. It shows poise. The game did not go how they wanted to. It, they should have won this game by a lot more, but the important part is, uh, you know, you get the win. There's lots of work on though. I would say, I, I don't, I don't think that people should panic or anything personally. Um, you are putting some different pieces together. Um, I think that like Scotty Middleton played a lot more than I thought he would. Um, he played well. He played well for most of the game. He had some moments in the first half. I thought that he looked like a little nervous, a little panicked. He took like, there were a couple of times he caught the ball in the corner where he had an open shot and he would like shot fake or do like a dribble move. And the defender wasn't biting on it. And then he would like turn the ball over. Um, or like, you know, you give up a, a good open look because you're trying to shot fake or do something a little more fancy instead of just taking the shot. I think he had a turnover in one of those situations, but, um, a lot of effort that, that, that's that steal when he jumped the passing lane. If you didn't watch on TV, there was a pass where they're passing to Scotty's guy and Scotty kind of reached his arms out, poked it away. And the ball was going towards Ohio state's bench and the Oakland player saw that it was going to go out of bounds. So he didn't really try to get it. And so Scotty runs to the bench, grabs it, does like a jump throw to Zed, who was sprinting the opposite way, and basically hit Zed on the run with a jump pass as he fell out of bounds and Zed got a fast break dunk. Like that was one of the best defensive plays that I've seen in person in several years. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked a lot of what I saw from Scotty. Um, like you said, there was a couple of small freshman things, but I didn't think it was anything concerning. Uh, he was kind of forced to play a lot because of some Evan Mahaffey foul trouble. So, uh, also thirty nine combined fouls were called in this game, I believe. So there was that was that. Um, yeah, I I thought Scotty was great. You know, I think he made a couple. He made a huge three. Uh, it was I think it was one of his fifty to forty four. I think he knocked down a three to kind of slow a little bit of an Oakland run. Um, you know, and then obviously making that free throw. You know, he, he split the free throws late, but. All you need to do is make one to make it a two possession game. I think there's about 40 seconds left. So, you know, even him being in the game in that situation and them trusting him enough to pass him the ball, you know, and get fouled and go to the free throw line was was a nice sign. So 
he's going to play a lot. I do not expect him to jump into the starting lineup anytime soon. Uh, it's not really the way they do things, but I don't think it matters. I think that he's going to play kind of starting minutes. Um, and then we'll just, he's clearly the seventh man on the team. Zed Key's going to be your sixth man. And um, it's nice to have that. I think Scotty's going to be really, I mean, we've been on this train since, you know, since he committed. So I'm not getting off now. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I think we can probably move ahead to look at A&M real here, real quick here before we we get out of here. But I, I would say, like, I guess my main takeaway from this last game, um, I think perimeter defense needs to be much better. Um, I think that they're obviously they're going to have to practice against a zone now, because even if most teams don't, even if most teams don't primarily run a zone defense, if they know, if they know that you can't, that you're bad against his own defense, more teams are going to try to do this. Like Merrimack that they'll play here shortly is another non-conference opponent that is going to run primarily a zone. And if Ohio State can't prove that they can break a zone like they did late in this game, if they can't prove that they can do that, a ton of teams are going to throw that at them to throw them off. So they're going to have to improve how they move the ball against the zone. Their perimeter defense has to improve quite a bit. Um, but other than that, I mean, those were two pretty glaring issues. Um, but I, I'm, I don't think this is a reason to panic. You got the win. If they lost it, you could have panicked. Yeah, 100%. Um, and also, just like I said, I you know, and it's not an excuse, but first games are weird. You know, you are trying a lot of different things. You are working in. Remember, they start four sophomores and, you know, two transfers. You know, so they do have to figure out the different ways the guys are going to contribute. I think, you know, Evan Mahaffey getting into foul trouble early, put them in a spot they weren't expecting to be in. So it was just, I think there was just a combination of everything of first game, a couple of things not going your way early. And then obviously this team just shooting the hell out of the ball. Um, you know, it, it's, it is, it's just one of those things where I think this was one of those just survive, win the game, move on, and then, you know, kind of start to clean it up. And then, you know, we get it. Well, I think we'll get a much better sense of where this team's at, um, you know, come Friday, obviously. Yeah, I think I think early on it's fine to make fine to make observations. Probably not probably not deep enough into the season yet to make like full throttle like judgments. Like I yeah. definitely I definitely I definitely saw things on the Internet of why is player X even on the team? Why is player X not starting? Like we got to stop it, that stuff. You can you can pull one data point out of last season. I'm sure there was like a, a game. I bet there was a couple games last year with Bryce Sensabar probably scored fewer than 10 points and didn't look good. If you just use that singular data point, people could say, why is Bryce Sensabar even on this team? Like you can't just use, you can make observations from one game. Totally fair. I have observations and I have criticisms of what I saw. It's a little too early to make full throttle judgments, I think. So just keep that in mind as we move forward. Um, Texas A&M is who they've got Friday, number 15 team in the country. They've got them at home. First of a, a two-year contract, a home and home, so they'll go to College Station next year. But um, the Aggies, they they beat Texas A&M Commerce 78-46 this week for their first game, their first win of the year. And um, they are going to bring kind of like a, a similar physical presence and toughness as like a San Diego state did last year that Ohio state saw early. It's going to be, uh, in my opinion, a, a comparable test measuring stick against these guys. 
Yeah, it's going to be one of the best point guards they face all season with Wade Taylor. Uh, I'm excited to watch Bruce Thornton and Wade Taylor go head-to-head. I think it's going to be so much fun. They're both two very physical guards that can shoot it. So um, that's going to be a, a super fun matchup. They got some guys down low that's going to – I think Felix Akpar is going to – they kind of went away – not went away from him, but went more Zed Key in this one late just because Oakland was doing so much shooting. Uh, they needed more of Zed Key's offensive presence on the other end, and Felix Akpar wasn't – you know, as, as much of a factor down low because Oakland wasn't going down low. Uh, A&M will. A&M will use their their big men uh, with Henry Coleman and Julius Marble. So, um, you know, you have to – Felix Arpar will play a much bigger role in this game, I think. And um, I just – I don't know. Maybe you can attest this because you were there. Did Jameson Battle just seem a little passive to you? He only took two shots in the second half. What did you see? I, I just want him to kind of – he catches the ball. I want him to shoot it. <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, if Wait, a guy takes out of the game, no, I mean he was just missing. In my opinion, if a guy takes seven threes in a game, I don't think that he's passive. I think that he made. I don't think he's. Pa- he made two of them. He, um, two of them? Oh, I he, made three. he was, he was two of seven. So I don't think he was passive. I think he was just missing open looks. Which again, I think it's you can make the observation that Jameson Battle did not shoot well. But it is way too early to say, great, like they went ahead and they added another guy that can't shoot. Like I think he's well, going that, to shoot yeah. the ball. That I actually. think he's going to shoot. I think he's going to shoot the ball well this year. He did not shoot the ball well in his first in in his first game. And I, I'm kind of thinking that maybe because he didn't shoot it super well as the game went on, he kind of stopped looking to get his shot, as well as the mental side of Oakland is hitting so many threes that it's it's kind of scary, especially in the second half, to like risk shooting a three and miss and, and wasting a possession and then have Oakland go down there and knock down another one. Um that could just be my train of thought though, but he was just missing. He played 32 minutes. He took seven threes. Um I would like to maybe see Jamison Battle take more shots that aren't three. Like just a, a couple, just a couple, just to like vary it up. Um, I don't think that he should be taking like, you know, 80% of his shots from beyond the arc. I think he took one. I think he took one shot from inside the arc. Yeah. yeah he was three for eight. All the others, he, he all, made it. Yeah. And all the others were, were threes. Um, so that they'll need him Friday. I, he had nine, he had nine points. This is not going to be one of his best games. I thought that he rebounded the ball. Well, he had seven rebounds and that was an area that, he talked about preseason that, you know, he's a big guy and he said that he sees rebounding as mostly effort. So he's a big guy. And so he needs to re- rebound the ball a little better. And he did have seven, which is pretty good, but uh, no, he didn't look passive to me. I mean, he just wasn't hitting shots. Yeah. And those two threes did come early. So maybe you just felt out of it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I do think we'll see him kind of involve himself more um, maybe in that regard, as you said, not, you know, try maybe, not necessarily putting the ball on the floor, but just, you know, getting a mid-range game going. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, Roddy Gale had a great stat line, you know, 17 points, seven boards, and five assists, I believe. So um, that's going to be they, – they need that versatility from him. It was hilarious. I don't know if you could see it from where you were sitting. He obviously had the huge alley-oop dunk. Um, the next possession, he read – you know, he just got – he kind of cut behind the zone and had the ball, and he was about to – absolutely murder the rim and he jumped and just forgot to take the ball with him and kicked it out of bounds 
but it was funny. You could you could literally see him get excited when he he because he just <laughs> he got the he caught the baseline right, and the the help defender was late, and you could just tell he was like, "I'm gonna absolutely obliterate this rim." Because he just came off the alley oop and he just forgot to take the ball with him, and it was kind of funny. Of like, like it's it, it goes to show like there's still a little bit of that like freshman sophomore you know exuberance there. But um, I thought he had a phenomenal game, and he's gonna have to have another good one because the you know A and M has you know some of the best guards in the country. So this is a really good team, really well coached. Obviously, you know everybody knows who Buzz Williams is. So uh, I think this is gonna be a super fun game. Super fun. The crowd has to play a factor. Just does. I know it never he'll, does. Um, it has to. He'll probably get like Tyrese Bradford if Thornton is on Taylor. I bet yeah. he'll probably line up with. He'll probably get uh Tyrese Radford, who's I think a fifth year senior at this point. Um, quite a bit more experience than Roddy has. Big guys like six three. Um, Roddy's also a big guy, I guess, in his own right. So, um, it's gonna be a, a big physical game. I think that Ohio State's centers, honestly, are going to play a really big role in this game because of how physical AM plays. Um, talked about it a little bit last week. They are a punch you in the mouth. They will slow the game down. They will play the game in, in the 50s. If you want to play it in the 50s, they don't care. Um, their priority is slowing you down and making sure you don't get buckets. But then they've got guys on their side that absolutely are going to get buckets. You know, Wade Taylor's going to get buckets. But you know, Julius Marble, I believe he transferred from, was he Michigan State guy initially? Correct. Right. I He's like a, a nine points per game kind of guy. Like, he's fine. Last time I said something about a center, though, I feel like was like against Iowa last year. And then I think Iowa center scored like 28 or something stupid against us. So I won't say that Julius Marble's bad. But um, I think that Felix Akpara and Zed Key are going to be a huge part of this game to see which guy – who's going to be the center of this game? You know, last, this, this past game was Zed. Zed had 17 and his first game back from shoulder surgery. Um, you know, slim, slim, thick Zed. He looked good. He didn't look like any, really any different. He, he didn't look like he was operating any differently than he previously did when he was 20 pounds heavier. Um, but I'm just, I'm curious if they'll go like, okay, we'll go with Zed to score more of the scoring threat. Or are we going to go more of Felix and we're going to try to, to shut down below the basket um, because they're not going to play together in this game. These, those two guys are not, those two guys minutes are going to probably add up to 40. I don't know how they're going to be divided. Yeah. And again, you know, and well, that's exactly, you know, the first game, that's exactly what it was. Zed played 27 and Felix played 13. Obviously Felix was uh, in some foul trouble as well. And that played a role, but I do think like last game called for a little more Zed key. I think this game is going to call for a little more Felix Akpara. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Zed looked really good. I thought Felix looked fine in his minutes. You know, I don't think he's really ever going to be the huge, um, you know, offensive threat that maybe like, like Zed key is, you know, like if Felix up is giving you 18, I'd be surprised, but he is going to be, I mean, he already is just a top tier elite defender. So, um, as long as he can give you six or eight with that, you know, the best stat line for Felix up is probably like eight points, nine rebounds and four blocks, you know? And just what he brings to the paint and just altering every single shot that people try to go down there, you know, just finally having that rim protector that like offenses have to actually be afraid to go into the paint because Felix Akbar is there. That's nice to have. And it's nice because Akbar and Zed Key bring totally different things. So it's going to be just whatever the game calls for when it comes to those two guys. I do think Akbar is probably going to start every game. 
And credit to Zed Key, man. There's not a lot of seniors that would take that, um, especially within the transfer portal days. You know, Zed Key could have been off to any, you know, a lot of different schools and play 35 minutes a game. So, um, real honestly, shout out to him. I know he said it. He's like, I'll do anything to help this team win. If it comes off the bench, it means coming off the bench. And, you know, he came off the bench. He still played, obviously, a lot of minutes. But, you know, he still showed the same exuberance and enthusiasm that he always does. So, shout out to him. You don't see that too often nowadays. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look up. I'm trying to look up some some stats for A and M here because I believe you're going to see a, a big difference in basically Oakland was looking to shoot a three every possession. It seemed like and Ohio State's perimeter defense is put to the test. And I'm just trying to double check A and M's roster of the turnover here. I don't think that A and M really brings in nearly as much of a three point threat. Um, they shot it at 32 percent last year. But um, you like know. Wade Taylor, it looks like last year was about 36, which is like passable, but not like lights out or anything like that. Um, Hafner, Hayden Hafner, he he shot it at 35. Again, that's like passable, but not nothing crazy. They've got a couple guys who are going to come off the bench, it looks like, who shot it a little bit better, but they, they played limited minutes. So I think it's going to be – I don't think that perimeter defense is going to be – I don't think perimeter defense is going to be, it's going to be different. It's going to be totally different than what they saw with Oakland because like A&M is, you're probably going to have more man to man against A&M. They're going to have more opportunities to run their offense against a man to man defense instead of a zone. And A&M is not going to hoist nearly as many threes, but like Wade Taylor is not a crazy three. They don't have very many three point shooters that are going to probably light them up. Now that I've said that we're going to have something weird. We're like, yeah, you know, Ty- Tyrese Radford, who shoots 31%, he's definitely going to hit like four threes just in the first half. Um, but it's going to be a little different. And I'm just mentally, I'm trying to think if that plays into Ohio State's favor or not. Um, I think it does. But... I, that's what I'm leaning to. But again, we've only seen one game. So people that are listening, like it's it's hard to make full judgments right now just based off of observations of one game. I'm, I'm I think I'm with you, though. I think that would play into their favor a little bit if they can get into a more traditional like man on man, but we'll see. I'll say this. Um, it's small, but it matters. Uh, Texas A&M was the, be- uh, the best free throw shooting team in the SEC last year. So they have to make sure they don't get into foul trouble early and start getting into the bonus with nine, 10, 11 minutes left in these halves because a and a fantastic free throw shooting team. So you can't let them win this thing at the line. Yeah. And Ohio State did win the rebounding battle big time against Oakland. They're going to have to win the rebounding battle against A&M if they want to have a chance. Yeah, that'll um, be a big one. You, There's a couple of plays early, I don't know if you noticed, of the, of Mahaffey and Middleton. And some of it was just good bounces, but of uh, them getting some offensive rebounds, getting some second chance, and, and getting some points there. That'll be key early, You know, especially if the shot's not falling early like it wasn't against Oakland, getting some second chance points. Um, I think Evan Mahaffey made the play of the game. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, 68-67 with two minutes left. They Ohio State missed, and the ball was pretty much going to be an easy rebound for, I believe it was the the Jack, whatever his name is. Uh, and Mahaffey just kind of ran into him. He didn't really rebound the ball. He just kind of ran into him, but he did it in a way that it wasn't a foul, and the kid lost, the Oakland player lost the ball out of bounds, and Ohio State came back and hit a three to make it a four-point game. So if Mahaffey doesn't do that, Oakland's coming back the other way with a chance to take the lead with under two minutes. So that was the play of the game to me. He didn't play great but that was the play of the game to me. So we need to see more stuff like that against AM. 
Yeah, that was on the opposite side of the floor um, yeah. from where I sit. But um, I just kind of ran into him. It was weird, but it worked. So, yeah, I think Scotty had. I didn't realize after the game, Scotty Middleton had five offensive rebounds. Yeah, he had, and a couple he, of them, like he, I said, just kind of fell to him. But again, but, I mean, placement but, on rebound right, is important. Right, like, that's what it is. Right. Right, right place, right time. If you've ever played yeah. basketball, you know you read the shot and you try to position yourself under the basket at the right distance as well based on where that guy shot it and from what side. Like, I thought Scotty Middleton was – I put that in my game recap. Um, I guess this has nothing to do with the A&M game, but just in general, observation. He was in the right place at the right time yep. more often than not. And you, um, get, you get rewarded for that. He had a bucket – I don't know if Jamison Battle missed the layup and grabbed his own rebound or if Jamison Battle got to the bat. I think that was one of them is where Jamison Battle may have missed a layup but grabbed his own rebound, and Scotty was, like, right on the other side. He dished it off to Scotty, and he's right there. And I think Scotty also had an offensive putback, like, just in the right place at the right time. Uh, in the was... second half with those – in the second half with those threes, like, Yep. Being in a shooting position, which he, he wasn't in the first half. There were a couple times where he caught the ball and he wasn't ready to shoot. He was he looked nervous. He looked rushed. In the second half, have yourself in a position to catch and shoot immediately. So like I just felt like Scotty put himself in the right place at the right time most was, of the game. There was one play, too, where it was a miss on Ohio State and, and uh, Oakland got the rebound. And everyone took off, obviously, down the floor to play defense. Scotty kind of hung back just for a second, just to see. And Oakland fumbled like they were trying to pass it just sh- a short amount of space. And it was a miscommunication. The ball just got loose and Scotty just grabbed it, you know, and I think that's probably a steal, not a rebound. But still, like he was just he took that extra jump to just be like, let me just make sure they transfer this ball. They didn't. And he grabbed it. He was he was aware enough to grab it and they got points off it. So um, there was a lot of those little plays that you don't expect freshmen to make. And he was making them and. You know, the rush, there was a little bit of rush in the first half. He kind of reminded me a little bit of last year when you're watching Roddy Gale play of like the hustles there, the efforts there. He's just moving. His mind's moving a little faster than his body or vice versa. And uh, I mean, that's just freshman stuff. He'll get over that. And I, I, there is uh, of freshman last night in the big 10, Cohen Carr looked phenomenal. Uh, Dre Gibbs, Lawhorn for Illinois looked phenomenal. And I think Scotty Milton looked phenomenal. I agree. I got to get out of here, though. Um, I think we've gone about 45, almost 50 minutes now. So uh, last bit from me before we get out of here, just to let people know, Jaden Quaintance uh, cut his list of four teams yeah, yesterday. Um, sorry, on, on Monday, cut his list of four teams. It is, uh, I believe it is Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, and Ohio State. Um, just based on the quotes from the Joe, the On3 article, to me it – from just from I'm reading between the lines here, it could be wrong. You know, money talks, the bag talks too. It kind of looks like Florida might not be all that much of a player in this. To I me, based think, on Scotty's at all, this, based on Scotty's comments, to me, it looks like it's probably going to come down to if I had to guess, Ohio State or Missouri. Um, Missouri always felt like the favorite. No sources. That's just me reading his comments of the things that he finds important. Um, my guess is it'll come down to Ohio State or Missouri. And the other important nugget about uh, acquaintance that I did not know is because he is so young, yeah, um, he will graduate high school at 16. 
he wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. He will not be able to declare for the NBA draft after one year. He will have to play two years of college basketball. So, well, the one, the one caveat I'll say to that is it was big. So not to cut you off. I just know we need to go. Um, the big caveat to that was a lot of people thought he was going to go to the G League. So the fact that he is going to college was big news yesterday. Obviously, Ohio State being in that top four is huge. He could still play one year of college and then go to the G League for one year if he decides to, which the way Andrew Slater, who's as plugged in as anybody in college basketball, kind of made it seem like that might be what he's leaning on doing. Just to put that out there. That one that year would be a still big be difference. Great. That would be a big difference to me. <laughs> yeah, I agree, um, but- He's, if he's only 17 when he gets to college, I think um, you would have to like maybe pull down your expectations a little bit of how, you know, a lot of five stars are like, holy cow, they're going to average 15, 20 points a game. If he's only 17, like he'll be super talented. Don't like he might not be like a 15, 20 point per game score right off the bat as a freshman. So if you're Ohio State and you do get him. Obviously, the coaching staff is going to pull out every single stop to try to get him to be a soft, like a freshman sophomore before he leaves. Right. Yep. So, all right. Well, if you found this on uh, online, Grant Hoyland, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your music and podcasts. Um, Go ahead and look up Land Grant Podcast Network. That's where you find our podcast, where you find all the other Land Grant podcasts. Um, We are putting out one podcast a week now, as well as most of the home press conferences are also going on Spotify as well as several other football podcasts. As we get into the heat of football season, um, you've got all of it coming from the land grant podcast network. Lots of stuff every day. Yeah. I mean, check us out at Bucketheads LGPN on Twitter. Um, you know, Connor tweets during games. I tweet from the Bucketheads account during games, just try to interact a little bit with people. Uh, also, you know, look out for our previews and recaps from the games. I do a lot of the previews, Connor does a lot of the recaps. So check out, look out for those. They they are posted the day of, obviously, recaps right after the game. Previews are posted the day, the morning of the game. So uh, just find us doing everything on Land Grant we can. Uh, Connor, where can they find you if they want to follow you in game? Uh, you can follow me at Lamons underscore Connor. That's L E M O N S underscore Connor. You can also get us on Twitter at Bucketheads L G P N. For the uh, you know the main account, um, we got Texas A&M Friday. We will not record right after Texas A&M. We will record next week. I don't have their schedule handy. Um, they have Mary, a game early next week. Mary Max on Wednesday, so we might have to record Tuesday. This is uh, okay. Why we're saying this on live or whatever? TB, yeah, TBD. So maybe we'll drop this bef- the next one before Mary Max. So next time we record, then we will have um, kind of follow up from Texas A&M. What went right? What went wrong? all that good stuff. Um, And uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Ohio state, if they beat uh, a top 15 team, they will probably get some votes in the AP poll in a week or two. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, if you stuck with us this whole time, we appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. And of course, go Bucks.